Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emmett Mann. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms. YouTube, like, subscribe there as well. Oren Weisfeld III is here once again. Every time we do a podcast. I Every time. How are you? Yeah. Good, man. Just, uh, I was telling you, just getting back in the swing of things here this week. Back to work after taking a little time off. But uh, really Is that a glow I see? Cup. A little glow? Yeah. No. Oh, the tan no, is tan. crazy. The tan no. is crazy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because you're welcome. Yeah. In in September, when everyone is is getting really pale, I'm still gonna have something because you got to time these vacations in terms of your 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 fall tan, and that's mm-hmm. really what I did here. Is I think I got a fall tan. Fall tan plus extra layers means Oren Weisfeld the third is looking his crisp, most crisp. <laughs> yes, sure. sir. Yeah. But before we get to all that stuff, uh, yes, the men's basketball tournament is quickly approaching. August 25th is their first game. Heavyweight tilt against France, and then they'll probably see them again uh, in a few few games later on. But before we get to all that stuff, essentially, and we were just talking about this before we started recording, that Canada, the big goal here is that they have to finish second in the Americas. So we're talking USA, Canada, Brazil, the Dominican Republic. They just have to finish second amongst those teams, also along with the other other teams, but they're not exactly as uh, high caliber as um, the teams I just mentioned. So that's the goal. Meddling would be cool, but the goal mm-hmm. is to just be in that top two within the Americas, assuming, assuming you know, USA is one and then the Canada gets the next spot. So 1978-1982, they finished sixth. That is the best they've ever finished. So there's room for growth. There's certainly room to room get for better. improvement. Yes, yeah. yes. Overall, uh, from these exhibition games that you saw, what, what are your overall impressions? Obviously, the first one, there's a bit of concern. Oh, my gosh, they lost to Germany. But, I mean, I think you're probably going to echo this, that it's been a lot of transition time for this team. Jordi Fernandez, Nick Nurse out, Jordi Fernandez in. A lot's been going on, but they rebounded pretty well. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway, is just that they've gotten better each of these games. And, like, the team has a ton of potential based on the talent. And that's kind of all you can hope for is that as these exhibition games go along and then as the tournament goes along, that they continuously get better to eventually hit that ceiling, you know, mm-hmm. by the end of the tournament and, and credit to Jordi Fernandez, because I think they've very clearly gotten better. Their game against Spain was easily their best defensive showing of the tournament, holding Spain to like 70 points in overtime, something, something around there. So yeah, their defense certainly got better. Guys like Shea, he's certainly like dropped the rust off and kind of gotten more comfortable as these games have gone along. And so the biggest takeaway is just that each game they're getting better. I don't think it would have been fair. Like I wasn't freaking out after the Germany loss. I don't think it would have been fair to expect them to win all these games. I don't even think they expected to win all these games. Honestly, I think this exhibition schedule was kind of purposely set up to be like extremely tough not so they would like cakewalk through it but more so that they would get challenged learn where they can grow learn where they can improve and also like have some eye-opening moments for guys who are like 
okay, we might have seven NBA players here, but like we are not nearly where these teams are in terms of certain execution and whatnot. So maybe yeah. it was it was a kind of a good way to learn um, that that they need to get better and where they can get better too. Yeah, five games in 10 days. Two of those games obviously were against Germany and there was progression. And it's it's encouraging to see the buy-in that the players have with Jordi Fernandez. He has been known as the players coach. That's why he was in, in the running for the Raptors head coaching job. Obviously he didn't get it, but him being here, I think he has the players' attention and that's uh, that's half the battle. They respect him. They respect his voice and I think they want to play for him. So all is good there. But uh, with this team, I think we've uh, identified it. I think you've identified it as well with this piece you did on sportsnet.ca. It was centered around Kelly Olenek and Dwight Powell and how essentially, you know, you don't want to make it this cut and dry, but they're going to go as far as those two take them, which with a team that has RJ Barrett, who's playing very well, Jamar Murray was going to be here. Now he's not. And then they got Shea, who's arguably the best player in the tournament. But those two, considering what we've seen in the past, it's really important that they succeed and that they're on the floor as much as possible. Do you want to just outline the pros of having those two as a tandem as your four and five? Yeah, sure. So like, I mean, I wrote this piece. It kind of dates back to when I first started covering the Canadian senior men's team. I guess you could say it's a full mo circle moment. I was doing it for Raptors Republic and I wrote like one of my first pieces was how Dwight Powell is the most important player on that team. And I stand by that in, in 2021. Ooh, he was ooh. because he go. was their only center, like legitimately their only big man mm. in that qualifying tournament. And in the semifinals, he got into foul trouble and it was basically toast because they just had no bigs to bring off the bench. They went small and they got cooked in a lot of ways. So I I think the same thing can be said about this roster. You obviously add Kelly Olenek to the mix this year, which is huge. And those two have a ton of experience playing together. They complement the games. But after that, it's really a drop-off, I would argue. You know, Kyle Alexander's looked really good, but he's ultimately not in the NBA for a reason. Zach Eady is a college kid who's never played at the senior level. So it, it really is Kelly mm. and Dwight who... Uh, there's a ton of pressure on the two of them to just perform and not get into foul trouble um, because the drop off after them, I would argue is pretty big. Just the, the depth in the front court in terms of the pros. I think the biggest pro really is their experience together. Like they've been playing together since like 2015. They're by far the two most experienced guys on this team. I think yep. they have 86 caps between them. And the next guy would be RJ Barrett at like seven. So mm. It's pretty stark how much experience they have. And yeah, like it's it's obvious Dwight likes to play on the perimeter. He's a playmaker. He's a shooter. Kelly is like a traditional center who you can just place in the paint. And obviously you wish Kelly, you wish Dwight was like a seven foot five elite rim protector. Obviously, Canada doesn't have that. And that and that's a little tough. Closest thing is Alexander. But Dwight is a great rebounder, great box out guy. He does all the dirty work inside. He's physical. He will finish mm. plays as, as a lob threat, as a rim runner. Um, and defensively, I think, you know, as we saw in these exhibition games, he can really switch. He can play some drop. Um, so I think he's he's as good as they have at a FIBA center. He's no Rudy Gobert. I, I acknowledge that, but he's pretty damn solid. And that's more than Canada has had for a long time. It is just solid. And Rudy shooting threes now. Ooh. See him? 
I wonder if that's going to go to the NBA. Yeah, no, you shouldn't be. Um, that that's fine. Um, I, I hear you. And what I like about this Canadian team um, is that there's pretty clear role definition amongst the whole team. Like you have your one A guy, you have your uh, secondary scorer with RJ Barrett, who's uh, we're going to get to in a second. Um, you have some good point guard, point guard play. You have a dirty a dirty work kind of player. You have a finesse power forward center type with uh, Kelly Olynyk. We'll see how the lineup shake down. And if you want to get a little funky, and I think we saw last last time around that going small in this tournament doesn't always bode well, but if you're going to go small, having guys like Delon Brooks and, uh, and Lou Dort, it does help. It's a bit of a difference mm-hmm. maker. Now, how much, again, like we see against Germany, it's really hard to be small against a team like that and that they, they play such a, a congested, but finesse style of game that they really utilize space. Well, screening well and everything, the pace that they play at, that's probably going to be one of the bigger challenges for Canada, along with just like the rebounding side of it. But, can they get up to speed defensively with their chemistry so that so that everything is 1.5 seconds faster? And that's where they're kind of lacking right now. The screen navigation, I think, has been a bit up and down so far, but I think that's actually pretty natural in a game like this where there is so much screening actions happening, and then you can just get lost in a heartbeat. So it's going to be a tricky one for them, but they still do have um, a lot of good one-on-one defenders and a lot of switching ability. I do like the idea of seeing Dwight uh, do some switching and um, just kind of mix it up a little bit. There's some benefits to that, especially just to keep mm-hmm. defenses honest. But uh, yeah, that's going to be their their issue because if Dwight is switching now, he's on the perimeter, and now you're you're uh, pretty accessible to offensive rebounds, and that's going to be a problem for this team. Rebounding is going to be a problem once again. I feel like we're talking about the Toronto Raptors. Yes, I think it's been better than I kind of expected in these exhibition games, though the rebounding. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I like the roster, honestly, like there mm-hmm. obviously would have been nice if Jamal Murray played, it would have been nice if there was some more guard depth, some more shooting, you can always poke holes in every single roster. Um, a though, I would look around the tournament and say there is no perfect roster, like th- the best players in the world in many cases are not playing. Yeah. And there's just no roster that you look at and is like, oh man, that's clearly going to win this world cup. Like, gotcha. so Canada, I think is in that same group with about five other teams where, there there are holes to poke um mm. it's not perfect but i like the roster because yeah like rebounding has not been as big as a concern as i thought it would because you do have guys like brooks and dort and rj who are small but they're physical and like they will do dirty yeah. work and they will help out especially dwight when he's playing the mm. five they'll help him out and, and there is some versatility here too where you can play dwight at the five and get Dort off the bench and just have like a really big wing lineup with mm. Dwight who's or sorry with Kelly who's obviously like a weaker defender at the five but surround him with so much size or you can kind of go defense offense which they did at the end of the Spain game substituting Kelly and, and Powell and just do it that way and obviously have Dort come in and be the fifth starter in those situations I, yeah. I thought that was good so I, I think there's like a lot to like on the roster from what I've seen. I just feel like there's no huge fundamental flaws that mm-hmm. I can point to. And yeah, I agree. The role definition is huge. Shout out to Dylan Brooks. I've been very impressed with his, yeah, let's man. say, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just ability to like co- be composed and, and pass up, you know, he's really gotten off the ball. He hasn't touched the ball very much at all. And you got to credit him because that is not his reputation. And the team is a lot better if he's doing that. So he's a great example of a guy who's just been willing to accept a much, much smaller role than he's used yeah. to on this team. 
And it's cool seeing Kelly have a bigger offensive role as the tournament's gone on because his DHO ability and his versatility as a scorer, I mean, you want him to be mm-hmm. a one pass away, the one pass away big on a DHO where you have uh, RJ Barrett curling around a screen, he's going to the rim, and then there's Kelly, a pretty efficient three-point shooter at the at the three-point line, and then he can you know put the ball on the floor a little bit, he can make an extra pass, and that ability is going to be really important. He's even getting in on transition. There's Kelly dribbling the ball down the court and making decisions yep, yep. On, uh, on the fly. Like that's a really good uh, asset to have in a player um, who's going to be heavily relied upon to be a point producer. You know, there's going to be moments where I think you've probably seen it too, that they don't shoot a lot of threes, this team, right? And they don't get mm-hmm. a lot of assists either. Um, Again, huh, Toronto Raptors, although it got better, but anyways. um, But the, his ability to do all those things, right? And um, if they're going to be utilizing Shea, and again, we're going to get to Shea in a second, Um. They're going to want to use him for his abilities, his God-given talents that are so exceptional. And he can pretty much score on anyone. He has the sweet spots. You want to let him get to them. So it's going to be sometimes a little bit stagnant, which is okay. But you want to be able to mix it up a little bit. And having Nikhil, uh, we can go through some of the rotation right now. Do you think the starters are kind of intact, at least for like what we see, right? Closing lineups are a different story, as you outlined. But starters, that's like, that's it? Yeah, I think I think that group will stay. Yeah. And then your rotation or your players off the bench, you think it's it's Nikhil, it's Trey Bell Haynes for a little bit. Um, it could be, I guess, Zach Eady, maybe matchup dependent. Um, mm-hmm. And then you got uh, Kyle Alexander, sort of, right? Yeah. And Melvin Ejim has been playing like Jordy's been going to this five man bench group, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me. I, I'm wondering how much those groups are actually going to play together in meaningful games although they have played in every single exhibition game, like he's really let the bench be a bench, you know, speaking of differences with Nick nurse, uh, he's played five guys or 10 guys every game and just let the five man bench unit, like do its thing for like five minutes spurts in in each game or in, in each half. So that's interesting to me. I don't know if you can actually do that against like France, for example, Um, you might have to just mix and match a little bit more. Hmm. And yeah, like, when it comes down to like rotation and minutes and stuff like that, like there's no reason to me that Shea can't play 35 minutes against France in a 40 yeah. minute game. And that means Trey Bell Haynes is only playing five minutes. And I think that's kind of what's kind of right. It's kind of right. Yeah. Like yeah. Trey Bell Haynes has had, he's looked really good. I shout out to him because in the America cup last summer, him and Delano Benton started in that backcourt and Delano was the better player. And, mm. you know, He's gotten a lot better since then. Trayvon Haynes has like he's been really impressive as a scorer, as a facilitator in, in these exhibitions. But still, I think you don't want to trust him in the biggest games. You want to mostly say like Shay, you're playing 35 minutes a night, and Nikhil, you're yeah. playing big minutes, right? So yeah, like obviously the the guard depth is a little shakier with Jamal Murray not playing, but it doesn't mm-hmm. concern me a ton when you do have Shay and Nikhil who can both play point guard. Um, and play big minutes basically. Yeah. And Nikhil can probably switch over to play some, some two as well. He's six, five. That's like a true six, five. So that means something. And, uh, you mentioned Ejem, um, Alexander. So with uh, Delon Brooks and RJ Barrett, there's some interchange abilities between them. Obviously you want some of the other guys, uh, Mm -hmm. getting the bulk of the minutes, but 
you can put EGM in for maybe five, 10 minutes and along with mm-hmm. some of the starters and it'll be okay. Um, but let's get to Zach E for a second. Is it essentially that he's just going to play matchup dependent and it might be five minutes. It might be seven minutes, eight minutes, but probably in that France game, for instance, I mean, they got some size. Um, maybe you want him to play a few more, but it's probably going to be pretty minimal at this stage. Although, you know, years down the road, it could change. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. France game, probably see him like that is a matchup where you could see him play for sure against Rudy. Um, I think Zach Eady will be a part of this Canadian program for a long time and could be a very big part of it. But at this stage in his career, I don't really see him playing a meaningful role, a meaningful role on in this tournament. I just think he's too inexperienced. Um, The game is a little too fast for him. It feels like where he is just not seeing everything Mm -hmm. that's going on. And you need that if he's going to be your defensive anchor kind of guy, because otherwise, you know, you're not running a whole offense through him. So what are you really playing him for? Um, And yeah, from what I've seen in the exhibitions, he's just still pretty matchup specific right now. I think he'll make the team. I think he'll be one of the 12 that makes the team, but I don't see him playing a huge role. I think it's Dwight Powell and Kyle Alexander who are going to share the center minutes for the most part. Hmm. So who don't you think makes a team? <laughs> I think Tommy Scrub probably is the odd man out as a, yeah. as the big, and then Kenny Cherry, who we haven't even seen play in these uh, exhibition yeah. games. Those two, yeah. I think. Yeah, that would be my guess. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that's how that's how it goes. Is uh, is your X factor Nikhil? Is that is it that simple? That it's just him, or is there something else that yeah. uh, you wanna you wanna discuss and ponder about? No, I think that's right. It's like the backup point guard. It's I would say Nikhil and Trey Bell Haynes. The two mm-hmm. of them are kind of the X factor in the sense that um, playmaking is where this roster is limited, I would say, especially with Murray out. And so those two guys are your primary playmakers off the bench. And, you know, Trey Bell Haynes is a pretty pure point guard. Nikhil has a lot of point guard skills in him. So I think one of those two is going to have to be good. And Nikhil to me looks like he's in a really good spot in his career right now where he finally has a good place in an NBA team. He has the confidence coming off that playoff run with the, with the um, Timberwolves and, and he's just looks so confident and good in these games. So I think Nikhil, like my real X factor is RJ, but I, I know we're going to talk about him later. So for the purposes of this, I would say, yeah, backup point guard is kind of the, or or backup facilitator is kind of the X factor. Is 38% from three as he shot last season, is that real? I guess he better hope so. Was that Nikhil? Yeah, he shot 38% between the two teams last year on three attempts. Shot looks good. I mean, he's very young in his career. It's possible. Yeah, this is what I would say about like the shooting, because there's a lot of talk about how limited this roster is when it comes to shooting. And if you look at these guys NBA numbers, that's true. But there is like a difference between non shooters and like, you know, okay developing shooters. And when you put them in a FIBA game with a kind of significantly shorter three point line, I think that makes a difference. So like RJ, Mm -hmm. Dylan Brooks, Nikhil, Shea, these guys are all okay three point shooters in the NBA, but they also they're looking pretty good from the FIBA line. And yeah, I think that makes well. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me that it would translate a little bit of a higher percentage at the FIBA game. So mm. um, I'm not too worried about the three point shooting. I don't think. 
Yeah. It's funny how, you know, that small difference can be the reason why Pascal Siakam, for instance, could be a better FIBA three-point shooter compared to, you know, what mm-hmm. he is in the NBA or even a DeMar DeRozan, right? Like some guys just have that kind of form that caters to just a few more yeah. feet closer to the basket, right? Just a little bit. Definitely. And yeah. And uh, I think they're all, all those guys are in that category. Um, let's get to, where should we go next? Um, do you have any other defensive concerns with this team or is it just essentially, you know, can they, can they, yeah last in those minutes without Powell and Olenek on the court together. Yeah, definitely the bench lineup. I think they got cooked versus Spain in the first half. Uh, So if they're going to play five man bench units, that would be a concern for me. I think this, yeah, this might lead into the nurse versus Jordy debate and where they differ. I think like scheme versatility you yep. could call it a concern if you want. I wouldn't, but I would just say like Jordy has been much more um, conservative where you don't see him switch it up nearly as yeah. often as Nick Nurse is going like one zone, different zone, man, and switching, yeah. drop all within a two minute span. Whereas like Jordy, we really saw like pretty much they're playing drop or they're playing switch all five positions and you'll see like one quarter, they'll do one thing and then they'll adjust to another thing, but it's mm-hmm. not like, as frantic as a Nick nurse, you know, scheme switch up would be. Mm -hmm. So you could definitely say that's a concern that, that really we've just seen them play drop and we've seen them switch and, and not a ton else. Like we haven't seen a ton of zone. We haven't seen a ton of other like full court press or any of that in the exhibition games. Um, So maybe there's going to be games where they need something else and they don't have it in their toolbox, but also it's kind of all Jordy has to like, you can't, expect him to throw eight defenses at these guys when he just took over as a head coach yeah so that's kind of what it, it is what it is right now he doesn't have a photo on the Canada basketball website <laughs> i noticed that actually like what come on now there must have been time what? Yeah. true story he was on my flight from back to from vegas back to toronto um, it was a late night flight, the red eye, and he actually helped my wife and I get our son through the, the little hallways, through the alleys in the in our in our plane to get the to get us back into the the, the rear part of the plane. He was in the middle, and he actually helped us like oh, get nice. the stroll over. And uh, it was kind of a chaotic moment, but I'm like, oh, there's he's definitely and he's uh he's helping us. Thank you, sir. That makes sense. I mean, when he when he came to practice or training camp, he like shook everyone's hand and like the media, like he's a very yeah nice guy. Um, did you talk to him? Did you say you cover the Raptors or anything? I didn't want to do that. I mean, it was a red eye okay. flight. Everyone looked so haggard and exhausted. And he was in his element. Yeah. He was just hanging. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
And I, would, I don't want to be like that. So I let him be. Um, but I did yeah. definitely recognize him. I'm like, that is Jordi Fernandez. Uh, but yeah, that was a, a nice moment. As for, you know, the basketball side of things, a lot of the onus that I mentioned earlier, a lot of the onus on how good their defense is or isn't at times is going to be based on the screen navigation. And it's going to be on like an RJ Barrett. Um, it's going to be on Lou Dort. And I think some of the other things that have come up, it's it's lack of a familiar, familiarity with the competition, which, as you mentioned, five games in 10 days, although two of them were against the same team. Some of that stuff's going to come up a little bit. But when you can like really hone in on an opponent game plan, it's not about exhibition games. It's about we have to beat France, right? And so the mm-hmm. you're able to scout teams a little bit better, as I'm sure they're doing right now. An example of that is, you know, a couple of times, Mo Wagner, um, there were like these like crazy ass flyby closeouts going at him. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Like Mo mm-hmm. Wagner, he's mm-hmm. a... That's an NBA player who shoots 31%-ish from three. Like, we don't need to do that. And then towards the end of the, the second Germany game, um, he had the ball in his hands. And uh, he had a shot. And Kelly Olenek, he stopped short. He's like, I want to see you make this, sir. And uh, he faked. And he took a dribble. And then Kelly blocked the bejesus out of him mm-hmm. to end the game. So it's like little stuff like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to help a Lou Dorr. It's going to help a DeLon Brooks. Like, what? who is a person that is a true threat on the other team? And that's defensive chemistry, that's scouting, that stuff. And I want to give the team the benefit of the doubt that between the coaching changes, how hectic the schedule has been, um, the the talent that they faced, which I'm sure was by design, as you outlined, mm-hmm. um, they've done mm-hmm. pretty well. And uh, I think there's more room for them to get better defensively. And uh, that's going to be, as Jordy said, that's going to be their calling card. That's what he's hoping to be the best defensive team in the tournament. And they have the personnel to do it. It is a, a simple system, um, but sometimes that's going to be okay, especially after that Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse years that we've had where what we saw last season, I wouldn't mind a more conservative system that is essentially telling teams where your shots are going to come from versus going the other way around where, where you're hyper aggressive and you're trying to create turnovers and you're trying to detract from their best options while in a game like FIBA, man, there's so many guys that can put the ball on the floor and shoot and everything like that. It's not, it doesn't always cater to the best uh, defensive output game by game. So predictable, yes, but conservative, sure. Um, but reliable is nice. Reliable. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, with Jordy, he is like giving guys a lot of responsibility or like freedom to just like do them like mm-hmm. the system is based around the fact that they have Lou Dort they have Dylan Brooks they have RJ Barrett and yeah you're gonna ask those guys to go over screams and recover and get back same with Nikhil and Jay that are long guys yeah so I I like it in that sense where like a huge complaint of mine of Nick Nurse for the past couple years was like he didn't he didn't let like OG Ananobi for example be OG Ananobi like I was just like, why aren't we just putting OG on the best ball handler the other team has every single game and asking OG to get over screens and do stuff? And instead, it was just like such a, you know, like hectic scheme, double teams, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so I do think that's a big difference with Jordy and Nurse is that it's more conservative, but it's also just like letting your best defenders be mm. your best defenders. And like Dort and Brooks, like no team, and I'm talking about no team in the whole tournament has that, even the United States, like they do not have the type of wing defenders that Canada has. So yeah, I'm, I've been glad to just see him kind of roll it out there and let them do their thing. Yeah. It would be nice to have a seven footer in the back yeah, end there exactly. too, <laughs> in case yeah. you do get in trouble and you're not able to get over the or screen. Or two of them, like of the United or, States. Or have. yes, or two. So that way those two on one yeah. advantages that, 
happen once um, if you're not able to get around that screen. Those don't happen, but I mean, this is what they're gambling on. You have a system and you play by your system and you live and die by it. Them bees the breaks. Let's move to Shea, all right? So he's going to be obviously El Capitan of this team. He's going to be their engine offensively. Where have you I seen? I wonder if he will be the yeah. the actual captain. Ooh, okay, that's okay, a okay. Topic. Yeah, no, no. Well, maybe it's the same one because who else could it be? I think Kelly would be my bet, but yeah. I see what you're saying. He's just so young, and Shea hasn't played with the senior team. This is for a senior mm-hmm. major competition, so. I would be surprised if Shea got it, uh, but he will be the captain for all intents and purposes. Like he's the guy who's going to take the last shot at the end of the game. I apologize. That's what I was kind of talking about. Yes. Give Kelly and Doyd. They can, they can be duo captains, co-captains if you want, but um, offensively, you know, Shea's going to be relied upon to be, you know, as I said earlier, the arguably the best player in the tournament. Where are you Mm -hmm. seeing uh, his sweet spots on the court? Where is he uh, being utilized where are we seeing him create advantages and succeed so far in this small stretch that we've seen? Yeah, it's different from his NBA career for sure, because he hasn't had the ball in his hands nearly as much as he would in the NBA. Like this has been a very democratic offense, I would say so far where it's him, it's RJ, it's Kelly. Those guys are all kind of getting the same amount of shots every game. Whereas, you know, Jordy very could have easily said, like, go be Luka Doncic and have the ball in your hand all game. Yeah. And everything goes through Shea. That has not been the case so far. Obviously, that's a harder adjustment for Shea to make when you don't have the ball in your hand as much. And we saw him make that adjustment. And, and it's kind of taking him every game. It's taking him some time to get comfortable because, again, he's not like the guy who constantly has the ball all game. Um, but. I'm not too worried about Shay. I know some people are. I'm not. Um, I just think Who's worried. Who's worried? I think the I think people were definitely worried because he struggled against Germany and there is a history of like NBA stars not performing in their first FIBA competition. And I saw that that complaint mm. or or that brought up. I will say with Shay, it's different because he has FIBA experience. Like this is his first senior tournament where he's playing but he's played at the youth level yeah and he's played at the senior level he just was on the bench for a tournament in 2016 but like he was still there and that's meaningful to me um so yeah the the free throws are the thing where he's not going to get those calls that he gets in the nba so he can't Mm -hmm. go into the lane looking to draw contact he has to go looking to score but in terms of where he's gonna where he's gonna score for him, I think it's the same spots as the NBA. Like, I think the three ball he's been hitting at a pretty good rate, and I think that mid range game is just gonna be huge for them because when you have like a Rudy Gobert in the paint all game, not having to leave, yeah. the rim is pretty much blocked off. And but Shea has a lot of experience with that scoring over guys like Rudy, mm-hmm. and so I think yeah, I, th- I think his mid-range game is going to be huge for them, especially down the stretch of these games. And um, it hasn't fallen at a great level so far in these exhibition games, but I do think that it's mostly rust. Yeah. And uh, I mean, teams are going to game plan to make him a more of a, a passer. And that's going to put the onus on, as you said earlier, it's going to be a Dwight Powell on the short roll. It's going to be Kelly Olenek in these DHOs. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, more options with your offense and, 
Um, RJ Barrett, who we may as well talk about now, he's been one of the probably one of the biggest benefactors of so much of the offense and the the defensive attention being put towards Shea that he is that second side driver and he's able to have like these these opportunities where a side is cleared and he's you know going to work against a smaller player or a lesser defender and he's doing a pretty good job at it and uh, they're going to need that because. As he's shown, he can be a pretty consistent 20-point-per-game scorer in FIBA, and hopefully the three-point shot continues to fall. Um, it's kind of a, a new thing for him. It was up and down last season, but let's see. But uh, RJ's been very good. Yeah, so I just wrote – y'all plug myself. I just wrote this big profile on RJ. It'll be up at Sportsnet later this week. And, you know, you go through his whole career. I wanted to do it because RJ is like by far the most experienced FIBA player outside of Kelly and Dwight on this team. He's also like the youngest player on this team beside Edie. So there's kind of like a weird thing going on there where he's the most experienced, but he's also the youngest. Um, But yeah, like you see it uh, in these exhibition games for anybody that didn't know about FIBA RJ. They know a little bit now. It's just like he is really good in international basketball even you know Shea at the end of that Spain game missed a couple good looks and then said I trust RJ he just got off the ball and twice RJ was asked to create and once he scored and once he went to the free throw line and that was pretty much the ball game so like the trust that his teammates show in him just shows you that like he has a ton of experience doing this um and yeah it's his career is just so interesting when you look back throughout all the FIBA experience he's had, mm-hmm. how it's helped him develop, how he's always played up age groups in the FIBA level, how he's always been the primary guy. And I just think how all that stuff has kind of prepared him for the spotlight, whether it was at Duke or whether it was at the Knicks. And you look at his career and the interesting thing is like, he is mm-hmm. just has a crazy track record of like playing his best in the biggest games. And yeah. there's obviously like a very famous you know, he beat Team USA in the semifinals of the U19 championships uh, when Canada won gold and he scored like mm-hmm. 38 points. But it's not just that. It's like he has a really good track record at this point of performing when the lights are the brightest. So that's why I wanted to write about him. And that's kind of what I expect to continue happening in this tournament. It was just like down the stretch of games against the biggest teams, against the Team USA's of the world. You know, I think you can count on RJ to like be there and just be at his best because that's what he's done his whole career. And he's excellent coming off of pin downs and curling around screens. And for him, with when pace is so important with your offense and defense, obviously, but him being able to get in the lane and he's a pretty big dude down there. I mean, when you see him in some of these he's matchups, yeah. yeah, there's a there's a matchup advantage for him. And he's able yeah. to shoot over most of these guys. And that's that's gonna be you know his bread and butter probably in this tournament. And the the cuts that he makes, um, he's been very good at that so far. Um, as an off-ball yeah. cutter and just like, you know, finding the little windows um, in the paint to get a pass and then finish them um, through contact and so forth. And then, yeah, late game. Um, it's been it's been him a lot, making those moves and uh, getting downhill, transition layups um, against Germany. Um, he kind of took it over. And uh, the three-point shot, I guess you could say, is the one that will he challenge teams to cover him out there so it opens mm-hmm. up more of his his driving game. That's yeah. what we're going to get to, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I looked, wanted to look at and see what he was shooting last season from three, but, I mean, I think it, it was, was a bad season for him. I think it was, like, 31, yeah. 32. Um, but, yeah, 
I, I w- yeah, that, that's a good point. Like one of the assistant coaches on the team, I asked like, why is RJ so good at FIBA? And he said, cause usually like in the NBA, everyone's long and athletic and that's fine. But in FIBA it is very rare that like your mm. three, your small forward is like a six, eight, 210 pound guy like RJ is. And, and that's where mm. he has those advantages a lot with the size. And I also think he's so used to the physicality by now. He knows what he can get away with, but he also like, and I think it's something Shake can kind of learn from him is like, he does not go into the paint looking for fouls. He goes into the paint looking to score through contact. And that is something that he's been able to do at the end of games. And that's because he's so strong, but it's also just a mentality that he's an attacker. He's always just been an attacker and yeah. he doesn't settle for the threes, right? Like he attacks the paint and, and tries to score through contact constantly. Looking at it now, he had two months last season where he shot over 36%. That was in December and January. He shot 42% in December, and it was 36% in January. But outside of that, eh, 30%, 28%, 26%. No, not great. Um, pretty but I would also say, I would say RJ RJ had a really good playoffs. Like yep. he, he scored 19 points a game um, and 56% true shooting, I think, in the playoffs. He was the second best Nick for sure. So you kind of hope that carries through into this tournament. Indeed, indeed. Indeed, indeed. What else is there to talk about with this Canadian team? Anything else come to mind? We haven't talked to Luke Dort yet. Hit, yeah, I do think we hit on most of the things um, in terms of, yeah, I, I, I think we, we hit on some Lou just with the combination of him and Brooks and, and yeah, Lou, I think will close some games <laughs> for sure. Um, When one of Kelly or Dwight sits, Lou is usually, I think going to be that guy because like as much as Nikhil brings to the table, mm-hmm. it makes them so small when him and Shay are out there. So he kind of is getting screwed by that. But, but Dort just, I do feel like he is the guy who's going to close a lot of games with one of the bigs. So He's looked really good, especially I think he's been their best defender probably for me through the yeah. exhibition games, even better than than Brooks. Um, he brings a lot of energy for sure when he comes off the bench. He plays really hard. And yeah, I, I think the only other thing to talk about is uh, if you want to preview the tournament a bit. That's my Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music right there. It wasn't very good. Yeah. Love that show. The tournament, the field, um, the first game even. So Canada versus France. Um, what a way to start it. Jeez. Um, nine o'clock, I believe, on, on Friday. And yeah, I think it's like uh, nine thirty Eastern. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be up for that. Not up. We should be up at nine o'clock. <laughs> Hopefully we are. I know I will be. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh that team, I mean, it's not the they're not bringing the the best roster roster to FIBA. I mean Victor Wemanyama isn't there. So there you go. That's a start. Um, however, yeah. it's a, it's an experienced team, um, a team with a lot of great chemistry and uh, they do have, you know, a lot of the, the marquee no- members that they would have and that they're going to be relying upon. You know, you got Nando DiColo. Hey, Oh, love him. And you got uh, Evan Fournier. You got Nick Batum's going to be playing. Um, and Rudy Gobert, obviously with his new found three point shot. Couldn't believe it. Could have used that four or five years ago. That's just my opinion. That's just me. But yeah, that matchup. I mean, what uh, what are going to be the issues, the concerns for Canada with that one? Is it simply you know they got to be able to contain Rudy Gobert on the offensive glass? Even though I still don't, 
I don't believe him as a rebounder. I mean, he is, but you know what I mean? Go on. Yeah, no, France has a lot of size uh, in their front court. So yep. for sure, like we talked about, it could be an ED game if the rebounding is that much a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, Powell, it's not just like, yeah, Powell will have a lot of responsibility. You know, a lot of these FIBA teams love the high-low game where a guy gets really deep post positioning and then they toss it into him. And Rudy's not this great post guy, but also if he gets good positioning and he has like six inches at least on Dwight Powell, you know, that might get Powell into some foul troubles. So you, you definitely hope that Powell can stand his ground on defense. You hope that the rebounding is good enough and that they adjust in that game. Um, And then on the offensive side, it's like the biggest thing that makes France so good is that there's no three in the key rule and that Rudy Gobert can stay under the rim all game. And that basically takes away your ability to score at the rim unless yeah. you can get, get him into foul trouble or, or stuff like that, which is hard. Like, you know, Shea is a really crafty finisher and RJ, he's a strong finisher, but you can't really rely on your points to come from the rim against France, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, you know, maybe I'll get to this in, in a second. So, yeah, you have to beat them from the outside. Unless this could also be a game where Cali plays at the five a lot just because that is how you bring Rudy out of the paint. Yep. So that would yep. be something to watch for too. You know, that's how you get killed on the boards. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's also how you bring Rudy out of his comfort zone and kind of make France play in a way that they really are not used to playing. Yep. I think that's going to be the key. I, I echo that um, because as I was alluding to Rudy, Rudy, he's a, he's a big guy, but I mean, there's a reason why sometimes we see, um, you know, guards, small forwards, guard him in the NBA is that he doesn't always know how to use that physicality. And sure. If he has mm-hmm. six attempts at the rim, he might get one or two of them, but um, you're comfortable with, if you're asking Lou Dort or DeLon Brooks, even to just guard him. So that way you have more matchup versatility. You're able to uh, uh, crowd suffocate certain parts of the court. You're, you're probably going to do that. And then having Kelly Olenek is where the difference is right here. And mm-hmm. um, he's shown he can hit the three from, from the FIBA line. And uh, this might be a game where you see him go, hopefully five of eight from three, right? Because the attempts are going to be there and they're going to need him to knock those down. And as you mentioned, maybe this is a game where we see Shea and his uh, his comfort against a big like Rudy Gobert, although he's going to be um, ha- have an advantage of being able to just sit in the paint. But that familiarity with that matchup, um, maybe this is a game where you see Shea pop off a little bit um, because he's aware of uh, what he can do against Rudy Gobert. I actually should have looked up how he's fared against Rudy Gobert. Should have done that. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. imagine pretty good. I would imagine, uh, yeah, big mid-range game for Shea. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for the people that don't know, it's a big game because not only because it'll help Canada get out of their group stage, you know, that I think is going to happen regardless, because even if they lost to France, they would just have to beat Latvia, who I think they should be able to beat. Um, but it's a big game because results carry over to the second group stage, which is when Canada is going to have to basically come out on top of either France or Spain. So, you know, whoever has that win in their bag is just going to be in a really good position going into the second group stage out of France and Canada. So, Huge game. Everyone will be watching across the world because it's kind of the big opener of the tournament. Mm. And um, it's a big opportunity for Canada to kind of turn some heads. Do you worry about Brazil at all? Dominican Republic? Um, What's your level of concern of those two teams, you know, overstepping Canada and finishing better than them at this tournament, sir? Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, the Dominican for me is more of a concern because they fell onto the right side of the bracket where mm -hmm. one side is just a lot easier than the side that Canada and Brazil happen to be on. So the Dominican who added Carl Anthony Towns, you know, they could pretty easily get to the knockout stage, whereas Canada has a really tough route to the knockout stage. And that would yeah. that would be that would be bad for Canada because that would mean that likely Dominican and USA would take those two spots from the Americas for the Olympics. But mm -hmm. Canada just has to focus on themselves. And I think it's definitely a team capable of making the knockout stage. And um, I think they will make the knockout stage. And so, yeah, I, I guess my level of concern is not crazy high, but anything can happen in these tournaments for sure. <laughs> my level of concern is I'm not. I love it. I love it. That's the confidence that we need. All right, man. But um, I've been known been... to be overly optimistic, so don't don't take my word for it. I mean, we all were pretty overly optimistic heading into the previous Raptors season. So we were all made fools. Yep. Clown masks everywhere. Hopefully what's it doesn't happen up, here. I know. What's coming up? What's what's uh, what's ahead for you outside of, you know, obviously. Yeah. FIFA? Yeah. For Yahoo. I mean, I'll be doing a preview piece on the tournament at Yahoo Sports Canada this week. And then nice. I'll be doing some some Canada gamers and stuff like that over at Yahoo, too, after the after each time Canada plays. So, yeah, between Yahoo and Sportsnet, that's where I'll be writing about the tournament. You can find my work there. Like I said, I'll be doing an RJ Barrett profile. Uh, later this week at Sportsnet, so check all that stuff out. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Oren Weisfeld. I always forget to plug that. Plug, plug. Maybe some Blue Sky now. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have Blue no. Sky? No, no, no. I'm refusing to do. If Twitter dies, I will. I will die with it. There's too much social media, man. I can't take all these things. Exactly. That's why I'm just not is. doing any new yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't uh, ruin that uh, decision. Anyways, okay. Thanks, man. Much appreciated, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.